to Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. We are taking a break. We have been walking through 1 Samuel. We have just gotten to the life of David. But for this Christmas season, we are going through a series, looking through the famous passages of shepherd imagery. We have talked about Psalm 23, which many people know by heart. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We talked about Isaiah and the prophecy of God being our shepherd. But today, we're turning to Ezekiel 34 and how this office of shepherd leaders is being misused in times of exile and our great need for a better leader than an earthly ruler. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1, this is God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd And because my shepherds have not searched for and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves, I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. The grass withers and the flower fades, 
but the word of our Lord endures forever. In 2021, Paul David Tripp wrote a famous book called Dangerous Calling. And in this book, he is evaluating the state of the church and pastoral ministry. In fact, Tripp warns in this book that ministry itself, being a pastor, should be considered nothing less than a dangerous calling, hence the title of the book. But his book is not so much proved by what is written in it, but if you were to look on the back cover of the recommendations, two of the six pastors who have recommended the book have since disgraced the office and fell from ministry. In society today, we have terms like spiritual abuse that we hear so often. We have books like bully pulpit or when narcissism comes to the church. We read story after story of leaders taking advantage of the flock, using their position to feed themselves and to prosper their own lives at the expense of those in the church. They neglect the weak, the sick, the injured, the outcast. And what we see in our text this morning is although we may want to see this as a contemporary problem of spiritual abuse. Ezekiel himself is condemning the spiritual leaders in a time of exile. Because this is not God making a condemnation against the agrarian society of shepherds. But those shepherds then were the kings and leaders of the nation of Israel. Kings that God himself in our text have said, I am against you, O shepherds, and I will require my sheep from your hands. And from this text, both back then and what we see in church today are three truths about Ezekiel 34 that show us God's righteous wrath against spiritual leaders who abuse their position and God's heart and comfort for those in the midst of it. Again, we see God's righteous condemnation of these spiritual leaders and God's heart for his own sheep. Because look at the text again. And we see God's condemnation. Immediately, what does he say to Ezekiel but to prophesy? Shepherds of Israel who have been feeding your shells, should you not feed the sheep? As I said, this was a term used of the Israelite kings. In fact, in ancient Near Eastern culture, many kings would take the title of shepherd over their kingdom. You may have heard of the Babylonian king Hammurabi, who once described himself as the shepherd who brings salvation and whose staff is righteous 
or even just reading the Bible itself. When we get to David in 2 Samuel chapter 5, God describes David as one who will shepherd my people Israel and you will become their ruler. So often this idea of shepherding is connected to the idea of kings. But what we see in our text this morning is rather than uplifting the people of God, rather than comforting the afflicted, what does the Bible tell us in Ezekiel 34? It says you eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you rule them. And you hear this language and immediately we can contextualize this to our own situation. We can see the contemporary situation. In fact, you yourself may have known pastors or known someone claiming to be ministering in Christ's name that do not strengthen the weak, do not heal the sick, care for the injured, do not care about the strain and the wandering. In fact, they use their own position to bring up their bank accounts. They care more about the notoriety that they receive of being in the pulpit. Pastors who have more of an idea of being a CEO of a major corporation rather than a shepherd caring for God's sheep. They look to Harvard Business Review for advice on leadership rather than the example God gives us in Scripture of a shepherd leader. They are more concerned with filling seats rather than faithfulness to God's call. In fact, we don't have to go into details because you perhaps have in your mind that person who has, you have suffered spiritual abuse or you have seen it in the news with your friends, you may have that picture in your mind today of what that leader looks like. But what we see in Ezekiel 34 are two things. Number one, God is a God of justice who is always on the side of those abused. It's foolish for us to imagine that the sinful world is not happening even within the church itself. As if sin is something that happens out there and it doesn't take place within the church. There are countless examples in the New Testament of people entering into the church, trying to take positions of authority to seek their own gain, their own profit, rather than the good of those sheep. And when you see people in the church, 
that match these characteristics of Ezekiel 34, caring for themselves rather than God's flock, know that God himself is not indifferent to this. That God is strongly against those who claim the name of Christ and use it for their own personal profit. He is not standoffish. In fact, because God is not indifferent, we ourselves are called not to be indifferent when we see this. So often, when we see cases of abuse in the church, when it happens behind closed door, we become more concerned about the, the testimony and witness of the church. What we see in Revelation, the seven churches of Revelation, when there was false teaching, when there were people in leadership doing wrong, Jesus, who brings the word to each of these churches, doesn't stand idly back. He doesn't worry about the optics of what will happen. He strongly rebukes and calls each and every one of these churches to come back to the Lord and find his mercy and grace. Unless we are tempted to think that this is exclusively a call for those in leadership, we need to note the fact that this call for the shepherd leaders of Ezekiel 34 is actually characteristic of the Christian life for all of us, where we are all called to care for the weak, the injured, the sick, the lost, the astray. In fact, who is the person in your life this morning who is weak, who feels ostracized, who feels by themselves in the church, who feels lost this morning? Who are the people on the fringes of Hope Church whom you yourself have been called to serve today. Because our indictment might not be profiting off of those on the fringes, but rather just ignorant of the plight that they go through. Or perhaps you do know someone that has suffered under abuse in the church, abuse of leadership in general, and what we are taught in Ezekiel 34 is this. We are all called to care for the downtrodden, listen to their situation, and take serious when there are clear issues within that church. In fact, Jesus himself had a heart for the least fortunate, where in Matthew 25, when he talks about the sick, the hungry, the poor, the injured, he tells us that truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did also to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ gives you the foundation for caring for those who are oppressed. And since Jesus himself did not hide from the least fortunate, we should first both care and protect those that are in these situations. We see God's condemnation in this passage. We also see God's confirmation 
this morning. Because look again in verse 5. As a result of the kings fattening themselves, what does God declare? That they, the sheep, the people of Israel, were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth with none to search or to seek for them. Because of what these shepherds have been doing, the result here is sheep that are scattered. The job of the shepherd king is to bring people together, to protect them. And as a re de direct result of what the kings have done, the flock did not have the green pastures of Psalm 23. They did not have the still waters. They did not have a rod and staff to comfort them. Rather, they are in exile among the Babylonians at this time. They are food for the wild beasts, for the many different nations of the people that surround them. They are wandering without a shepherd, without a ruler to care for them. When sin takes place in God's church, this is the direct result of what happens. We know of high-profile cases where a pastor falls into heinous sin. And what happens when we hear about this in the news, when we read about this on Twitter? There are people that are fed up with hypocrisy. They are fed up with the church. And they make a path for themselves outside God's church. Perhaps even for you today, you may have been absolutely frustrated by what you see in leadership. Of countless examples, we can see of people failing to match the qualifications of what God has called the pastor to be. And it causes you to see toxic leadership. You've had enough with the church, and you are just about ready to leave it. Perhaps you still have wounds. And being in a church is the last place you expect to be this morning. But what we see in Ezekiel 34 is that great spiritual harm comes from when pastors, when these leaders are not doing their job. When abuse happens, it's not just a threat to that person's testimony, it does a great damage to the witness and the testimony of the church. It causes people to be like those sheep, to be scattered. It destroys the spiritual condition of the flock. These are not isolated events, disconnected from the life of the church, but actually reasons for why people leave. But without ending on this condemnation, 
God actually leaves us with a consolation because we have seen God's condemnation. We see him confirming it by the result of the sheep being scattered. But today, we see God's final words of consolation, beginning in verse 7. Because what we see is God begins to speak directly to these spiritual leaders, these shepherd kings, listing all the grounds that they have failed to meet their job failed to meet the obligation, in fact, not only missing it, but taking advantage of the people they are called to protect. And in verse 8, because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Since all of those are the case, this is God's pronouncement in verse 10. Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hands and put a stop to their feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. There is a reckoning coming for those leaders who have taken advantage of God's people, have used the flock for their own gain, where they were going to give an account to their own shepherd king. Because that was what was so heinous about them failing to meet these duties and requirements. Because the reason why they are called shepherd kings is they are to reflect the ultimate king and shepherd. As we studied in Psalm 23, it is the Lord who is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what does this shepherd do for us in relationship to him? He is the one that leads us into green pastures, leads us beside still waters, restores our soul leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. His goodness and his mercy are what pursue us all the days of our life. And even that rod and that staff comforting us, that is actually the imagery of a scepter, of a royal king caring for his subjects. It's not a king that is comforting himself, but actually caring for his sheep. You may have seen serious abuse in your life. You may have seen corruption and wickedness happen, happening even within the church. Particularly, what we see here is what this does to those that are within the covenant community of God. But what it is actually pointing us to is we need a better shepherd. We need a better king who reflects God's own character that we see in Psalm 23, who provides for the sheep rather than feeds off of them. We need a shepherd who actually cares about us. And in Jesus' public ministry, 
what we see in the Gospel of Matthew is when he looks out on the crowds of those who are lost, astrayed, sick, weak, says he has compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Jesus himself was God made in the flesh. Jesus himself was the suffering servant who never put his own needs above the interests of others. Jesus himself was the one who describes himself in John 10 as this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus was the only shepherd king that was willing to die for you. And he represents everything we need this morning of those shepherd leaders that failed to match those qualifications, were condemned by the Lord because he gave his own life on behalf of those sheep. And regardless of whatever hurt, or abuse you have faced, regardless of whatever reason you want to leave the church, regardless of wherever you find yourself this morning, Jesus is actually the one inviting you to come back and find relief in his shepherding hands. In fact, that's the very picture of what is meant for pastors, what they are supposed to look like this morning, and what you should be looking for when you see pastors in the church is that they are actually reflecting Jesus himself, which is why they themselves are given the title shepherd in 1 Peter 5 and called to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion, not like those leaders of Ezekiel 34, but willingly, as God has, would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being an example to the flock. Jesus is the chief good shepherd, the fulfillment of Psalm 23, and the antithesis of what we see in Ezekiel 34. And because he has fulfilled those promises, we know one day that he will right every wrong of abuse. Those leaders will be reckoned with. And when you turn to Christ in faith, turning away from your wanderings, he provides everything you need, just as we see in Psalm 23. And his goodness, his mercy, is what is pursuing and following you until eternity itself comes. Even into eternity. And that's actually what we see here this morning in the Lord's Supper. Is that since Jesus fulfills Psalm 23, since he is the good shepherd who lays us beside still water, does everything we see in that passage. This good shepherd has prepared a table before us. A table that we know full well we have it in the presence of our enemies. 
Not so much external enemies, but sin, death, our adversary, Satan himself. But because that good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep, we can have this meal in the presence of those enemies, knowing they have been conquered and they do not have the final say in your life. And you can take comfort in his promise of goodness and mercy that is following you all the days of your life through this meal. Not because it's something special in the bread or the juice, but it promises to us that we who partake of this by faith, turning our hearts to this good shepherd, he is promising us to confirm all of those promises we see that Jesus has given us. It's not something mystical going on here. And it's because of that, if you're here this morning and you don't trust in this good shepherd, Jesus Christ, you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as the Savior from your sins, we are thankful you are here. We want Hope to be a hospitable church where regardless of if you're a Christian or not, you feel welcome to attend. However, this meal does not give you faith. It is for people that are actually trusting in the promises of Jesus Christ, trusting in him as their savior. And it can actually be very spiritually unhealthy for us to be going through religious motions, expecting that those themselves are what's going to change our relationship to God. So, if Jesus is not your Savior this morning, we would encourage you to sit back, to watch the drama unfold. And it is not out of an experience of exclusion. It's because we know that we as Christians are some of the worst of people that need God's goodness and God's mercy to follow us all the days of our lives. But for the rest, we invite all baptized members of a gospel-preaching church to come forward and partake of this meal. You don't have to be a member of Hope. You don't have to be a member of a Presbyterian church. Just one that is trusting in the promises of Christ who has died on the cross for your sins. You've made that public by being a part of a church that preaches the gospel. And you are one who can profess the faith. We read in our bulletin, our order of worship this morning, found in the Apostles' Creed. This is actually a statement that is used by the church throughout ages of what connects us to Christians millennia before us. So I ask that we all read this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. 
and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Because on the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and gave some to his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup. And after supper, giving thanks, he gave to his disciples and said, This cup is of the new covenant shed for the forgiveness of sins. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until you return, until he returns. So we come in no particular order. I will have bread. Someone will be standing here with juice. RJ will be standing here with juice. There is a gluten-free option. If that is something that is necessary, if mobility is an issue, raise your hand and Ernie will come and bring a cup for you. And I ask that we all wait so then we can celebrate this meal together as a celebration of the communion of saints that we have in fellowship with each other. Before we do that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful goodness and mercy that pursues us all the days of our lives. We thank you for that good shepherd, Jesus Christ, the good shepherd that lays down his life for the sheep, not one that abuses his position of authority, but one that emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being found in human form, he gave his life for us on behalf of sin. And Father, I pray that you would use this meal this morning to strengthen us in that relationship to that good shepherd. We pray this in his name. Amen.
Christ's body broken for you. Christ's blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. you'll turn to the next page, we will sing our final song. Once I get it, God rest you merry gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs>